Hey everyone, it's Elliot. I'm so glad that you're with us for today's episode. But before we get into it, I wanted to ask you just a small favor. First, please subscribe to the new CCO wherever you get your podcasts. That way, you'll always know when we post a new episode. In fact, you'll be the first to know. Second, share it with your colleagues, or at least leave a review. This is still a pretty new show, and we're finding ways to make it better. As communicators, we know that peer recommendations matter a ton. So please, if you like the show, tell others. And if you don't, tell us why, so that we can make it better. Thanks so much for listening. Picture yourself at a soccer stadium in Johannesburg, South Africa. It's the Kaiser Chiefs versus the Pirates, in case you're wondering. The stands are full of fans wearing elaborate headdresses and pirate hats. All of a sudden, a woman stands. She looks tiny in a sea of yellow and black, and no one seems to notice her. She starts to sing. And as she does, dozens of other women walk out onto the pitch to join her. At first, so does the crowd. The tune's a popular soccer chant in South Africa. But the words are different, and quickly the audience starts to catch on. Their looks of excitement melt into uneasiness. The men in particular look downright ashamed. Domestic violence is a problem across the world, but especially so in South Africa, where recent studies have found that 40% of men have hit their partners, and one in four has raped a woman. That's why AB InBev, the world's largest brewer, created the No Excuse campaign. In addition to that riveting moment at the soccer match, they also changed the branding on their market-leading Carling Black Label cans to read No Excuse. We have a strong belief that uh, the abuse against women is is a man's problem, and men should should take charge over there. We are masters of putamogutunjani. I'm this fight I do not involve myself in this situation. We're asking them to say enough is enough and to stand up and say no excuses. The campaign called on South African men to take a pledge against gender-based violence. Three deaths a day, and I think anywhere else in the world, that would be a problem. It read, As a champion, I acknowledge the damage caused by gender-based violence in my community and believe that there's no excuse for it. So today I pledge not to be a bystander and not to be silent. I pledge to always take action against woman abuse. We are acutely aware of the link between men who abuse alcohol as well as men who sometimes abuse women. The campaign is spreading now, raising awareness of this important issue around the world. Now, it may shock you that a brewing conglomerate would take on an issue like domestic violence. But CEO Carlos Brito sees beer as a community-based product. And with a vibrant community in South Africa, he and his team felt compelled to do something. Page welcomed Brito to the stage at this year's annual conference. He discussed the No Excuse campaign and other efforts the company is making to drive social change through the communities in which it operates. The conversation was moderated by William Lewis, CEO of Dow Jones and publisher of the Wall Street Journal. I'm Elliot Mizrahi, and this is the new CCO. As much as we've had our dream or our purpose all along our journey, it became more real to us in an interaction I had many, many years ago with a group of trainees in St. Louis, global trainees, a group of 200 plus trainees that we have every year now for 28 years we had this program. And there was a Q&A session. So I spoke about dream people culture, 
which is our 10 principles, our you know, uh, culture, and I spoke to them, and then I took Q&A. And then the time was up, and there was time for one last question, and this girl, a lady from uh, Ukraine, raised her hand, and she said, I said, oh, what's your name? Uh, where are you from? I said, Ludmilla from Ukraine. I said, okay, what's your question, Ludmilla? And she said, what would the world miss if AB and Bev did not exist? Hmm. What would the world miss if AB and Bev did not exist? And then I said, holy cow. Well, it had to be the last question. So I said, okay, well, that's a very good question. Thank you. I'm so glad you asked this question, Ludmilla. Uh, where are you from again, Ludmilla? Ukraine. Thank you. Which, which part of Ukraine? Oh, Kiev. Oh, Kiev. I've been to Kiev many times. Yeah, it's a great place. Uh, you lived there all your life. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Say, so, you know, I'm so glad you asked this question. And then I had to answer. I said, okay. Well, two things. First, I think our consumers would miss our brands because some of brands that really love marks for our consumers and the markets where we operate. And second, I think our people, myself, my colleagues, would miss our company and our culture because we feel so good here because we don't have to play roles. We can be ourselves. We can bring ourselves to work. We can be legit. And uh, we believe in what we're doing. So, and then I said, you know what? This was a half answer. And then I went back to my people and said, guys, we need to think harder about this because if the only thing we do in society is sell a product or a portfolio products, anybody can do that. So again, why would people miss us, you know? So, and then that, we went through soul searching and a lot of things changed in our company because of that one question that brought to life this idea that if you're part of the community, you need to be part of the solution. Otherwise, you're gonna be framed as part of the problem. I've been in the business now for 29 years. And I remember at the, the very early stages, we didn't place as much importance on external communications. But then as we grew and expanded all around the world, and today we're present in all continents, in all major markets, it became very apparent to us and clear to us that the communicating our story done by ourselves was very important. Because as you grow bigger, people will take an interest in knowing more about you. And uh, if we're not the ones telling our story, somebody else will uh, or would and maybe that would not be the, the true story. So um, we became more active in uh, engaging and telling our story and being part of the community that surrounds us. And that, was, uh, and that question helped us along that journey. So we've seen, uh, you're such a global company, so we've seen you uh, engaging consumers on different issues in a number of different ways across the world. So Stellar Artois and water access. Yes. Budweiser and climate change. Um, and carning black label in Africa um, uh, and gender violence. Gender-based violence. Yeah. Um, I, I can only imagine that some of, or if not all of the professionals in this room have had some difficult conversations with their uh, CEO to get their companies more engaged in impactful CSR programs such as uh, those. Um, and actually, you, you did a particularly brave, that people may not know about, um, uh, campaign in South Africa. So could you tell us a, a bit about that campaign and also, more generally, how do you decide on which campaigns to target? Uh, well, what we think and came to realize is that beer, our product, uh, is a very community-based product. When you compare it to a smartphone, for example, that's manufactured in one country, and sold all around the world, we have a very different business model. We brew the beer in that community, we sell the beer in that community. So if the community has a problem, we'd like to be part of that solution. Especially if we feel that the abuse of our product 
as being one of the catalysts or one of the drivers for that same problem. So in South Africa, our guys decided that uh, it was time for us to be visible and use our brand, the biggest brand in the country, uh, Carling Black Label, that speaks a lot to men, has a lot of credibility in that connection with men, and has always championed the idea of the champion man, what you know, it means to be a champion man. And uh, as we all know, what it meant maybe 10 years ago, five years ago, it's different than what it means today. And Carling brought that news saying, hey, if you're the truly champion man, that's what champion men do these days. That's what's expected from society, from your wife, from your partner. And uh, not to think about being the macho man, but being a family man, being somebody that's sensible, somebody that's sensitive, somebody that has feelings, somebody that connects uh, in a different way. And that went viral because it touched the nerve. And uh, in South Africa, gender-based violence is one of the bad, you know, legacy things that came from apartheid, especially in some parts of the country. And we decided to, to take a position on that and use our brand, our asset, that has trust and communicates to men about getting that message and saying, hey, no excuse. I mean, if you drink, drink, you know, in a responsible way, and that does not connect with what you're doing. We, we, we don't want to be part of that. If you're the champion man, champion man, don't do this. Champion man these days, it's about this, not about that. So, yeah. So you, the point is you take incredibly seriously the role that you have within communities in which you sell yes. drinks. This yeah, because we're part of the community, right? So for us to be successful, we need, we need um, the community to be environmentally sound because no water, no beer, that simple. And we need the community to be economically thriving. So we need those two things and we need the community to function and for us to be seen as a part of the solution to whichever problem, whichever problem they're facing as opposed to being part of the problem. In other words, we want to be to have a seat at the table, not be part of the menu when people are talking about problems and solutions. Okay. So this is all very good, but let's get the <clears throat> tricky question then out of the way because you've got to make money, right? Um, you're a for-profit. Um, and you, there has been criticism over the years about your company being a conglomerate that focuses more on costs and profits than on uh, uh, corporate reputation. Um, to, to that end, uh, tell us, where does corporate reputation sit in your priorities and how does it square with making money? Sure, I mean, it, it, it's all connected because, again, you, you make money because you sell something that consumers want. Consumers are part of that community. So what they think about you feeds back into the business. I remember 20 plus years ago, we, we decided to be part of the road traffic situation in Brazil. I'm from Brazil, I'm Brazilian. And at that time, uh, road traffic in Brazil was an issue and some of it was connected to drink and drive. So we, we decided to understand a bit what the situation was and what the situation was then was that the police had the law, they could enforce the law, but they didn't have the budget to buy the breathalyzers necessarily. So we decided to donate breathalyzers every year to the police so that they could apply the law because we wanted to conduct business the right way. And I remember when we did a press conference with the police to announce the program, I remember I was asked by the press, you know, hey, Brito, how does that make sense? You know, you want to sell more beer. At the same time, you're giving police more uh, means to go after people that drink and drive. I said, well, it's very simple. The two can coexist. 
look at North America, look at Western Europe. Hmm. They drink per capita much more beer than Brazilians do, and the traffic is much safer. What you have to do is drink in a responsible way, and if you're going to drive, you don't drink. And so that's totally, you know, uh, makes sense for society, makes sense for a business that police has ways to enforce laws. So we have the right to continue in our business because we're trying to be part of that solution. And we've done that ever since. So examples like that for me are very clear that uh, you can only do one, that is have a great business, if society accepts you as being a good corporate player, a good participant in that society. For, for me, that's so clear. And uh, gender-based violence, road. For example, we took that program from Brazil on road accidents and we made it now a global program. Hmm. So today with the United Nations, with one of the agencies from the United Nations, which talks about training and, um, and best practice sharing, we built a toolkit on road safety together with other companies like Facebook, like Pepsi, like Walmart, so many companies that have big fleets and have also database about what consumers do from different angles. And what we do with governments is we connect those databases, government database with company database. We try to understand where they have to intervene in their traffic situation. And that database, that uh, better saying, that toolkit is now being spread around the world through the United Nations Agency on best practice sharing and training. Because again, we drive the same roads, my kids cross the same streets to get the school bus. Mm. We don't live in another, another planet. So if we're doing business here, we have to be part of the solution if our product is causing any harm uh, by being overconsumed in some, in some parts of societies. Okay. All right, well, let's talk about uh, bloody millennials. Um, uh, <laughs> There's at least one in the room, I know. Um, so tricky, uh, and they obsess apparently about the commitment to companies and brands that stand for something. Um, is this right? Uh, do they like beer uh, as much as I do? Um, uh, what are you doing to reach this group, and why are they so difficult to manage? They do like beer for sure, yeah. and, but they also want to make a difference. So companies are in business to solve consumer and customer problems, right? I mean, if you don't solve any problem from anybody, nobody will buy your product and service. That simple. And uh, so what we, we see today is that millennials, they want to help. They don't know how, how to help necessarily. And they also don't trust a lot of the NGOs or companies out there asking for money because there's so many stories written about how this money sometimes is 80% used for some of the things and 20% gets the final, you know, people in need. So when brands that have trust offers the, the possibility for them in buying our product, getting to help somebody, and they trust our brand, you're solving a problem. Because not only you have a product that they like, but you're also bridging a desire they have, but they not, some, not always know how to get it to happen, get it to activate that desire. You say, hey, if you buy a Stellar to our chalice, or if you buy a Stellar to a package, that equates to five years of drinking water to families in places where there is no access to water, where the women, normally the women, have to invest six or eight hours a day just getting water, walking back and forth. So when you connect that family to grids that are existing by giving them microloans, or you drill well in that community, more than giving water to that family, you're freeing up that time 
that valuable time for that woman so she can do something productive with that time because water is not available. So, and when Stella Artois does that, if I'm a consumer here and I want to help somebody in Africa, India that has a problem in Latin America, I don't know how to do this. But Stella Artois is saying, if you buy this package, that equates to five years because we're connected to this organization that we audited, and that money is getting there. So, for example, we connected with water.org that Matt Damon is one of the co-founders now for five years. And he was the first one to tell us he was impressed by how a brand that commands trust was able to engage millennials in a way that they've tried for so many years and could not, never get that scale. Hmm. Because, again, you're solving two problems. You're having a problem that they love and you're, you're getting them a way to do something they think is important. So brands can do that. And that's something that we didn't know 20 years ago that now we know more and more. And people expect that from brands. And was that woman from, was she from Kiev, was she a millennial? Well, yeah, she was a millennial for sure, yeah. She was a millennial. Yeah, and she wanted to know what the world would miss if we didn't exist. So that's, you that's know, it. we're trying to, to answer their question. It's a forever. Very answer. awkward. Um, forever. Uh, sustainability, let's talk about that. You recently made some new additional commitments to sustainability. Yes. And you use this phrase, that sustainability is your business. Yes. For the other people in other industries, um, is this something that we should expect more generally from companies now? Yeah, I think, I think uh, people expect companies to do things that are the right thing to do, but also the good thing for your business. Because then, if you have that win-win situation, people in the society know that that company will always be doing that. Because if for nothing else, make business sense, right? So it's the right thing to do to make business sense. So for us, when you think about it, if there's no, no water, there's no beer. If there's no farming products like barley, high quality products, there's no beer. That's simple. So when we talk about sustainability, we always say sustainability is our business because again, no water, no beer. So we've been doing that and trying to work with communities to guarantee access to water, to guarantee that those communities will have more of a water uh, literacy on how to conserve water and how to conserve sources of water because again, it's important for them and important for us. For example, in Cape Town, Cape Town this year had a big drought. I think uh, we're all aware of that. And people were having only 50 liters per day, which is equivalent to three flushes. And they have to live with that for months. And we have a brewery in Cape Town that was doing very well in terms of water sourcing. We had a well that was very healthy. And uh, we said, hey, we have to share that wealth. So we reformed our parking lot with the help of the police, organized lines, 24-7, free water. People could come with their containers, get the water, because we had water throughout the crisis. And we also package water for the people that live so close by. So I mean, this whole idea that, again, we're part of the community. Our colleagues in, in our you know, Cape Town brewery live in that community. So they would come to the brewery, that was enough water. They would go home, that was not enough water. So we had to be part of that solution. So this is something that, uh, that we did, in, and there are many other stories, but uh, I even forgot the, the question. No, 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 it's good, it's good. <laughs> I'm a brilliant questioner, you forgot it, it's fine. Um, uh, uh, so the point is though, sustainability is a... Well, let me talk about more about sustainability, now, now I remember. Yeah, uh, sustainability. Because it, it, it came yeah. to be called sustainability. Yeah. So for us it was always water, barley, yeah. beer. And at some point this was called sustainability and we've been doing that forever. So we decided to be more articulate about it. And after 10 years of having sustainability goals, public goals, uh, first we had three-year goals, then five-year goals, then we delivered that, and then now we have uh, eight-year goals. Um, and what we're seeing now is that we're going to do four things 
uh, that are con totally connected to our business, but also have an impact in community. And that is around water, farming, uh, energy, and packaging. Again, that's our business, right? So what are we saying? We want to increase water uh, uh, supply in communities that are today in a water scarce situation. Today, 25% of our production are in such communities. So we're working together with the Nature Conservancy to come to an index that will get the picture of what that, where the community is today and so we can measure gaps and evolution as we close that gap together with the community. We already do that, but we don't have a metric that everybody agrees on. So we're trying to, as we continue to work, to elect that metric so it can be audited. Second one is circular packaging. Most of our beers around the world are sold on returnable bottles. So that's already a good thing. But in the places where you sell in one-way bottles or cans, we're trying to make sure that more than 50% of those materials, glass and, or plastic or aluminum, is from a recycled content. Then on energy, we have a commitment that 100% of our energy that we purchase will be from renewable sources by 2025. And today in the U.S., for example, already 50% is. In Mexico, it's already 100%. In Argentina, it's going to be pretty soon 100%, and so on and so forth. So 2025, when we think by the end of this year, we're already going to be at 50% on a global basis. And we started this two years ago. And then on farming, it's connecting farmers. We've been working with farmers now for 30 years. But now through technology, connecting them, the more than 30,000 farmers that we do business around the world, so they can compare the microclimate, the type of soil, the type of seed they use, and went to water, went to harvest, went to seed, so there's less impact on natural resources and more productivity and efficiency in their farming practices. Okay. So those things are, again, connected to the business, the right thing to do. I'm glad you remembered what I was... Uh, yeah. um, so sustainability is, for everyone in the room, for you, for, is obviously you've got these bold, ambitious goals is a here and now. What, as, as, as we think about the next... What's the next thing that companies are going to need to be focused on beyond sustainability? Is there, a, is there an issue, is there a theme coming that you can feel, pun intended, brewing? <laughs> I think, brewing, yeah. yeah. No, I think, uh, I think the, the name of the game here is to always have that idea that you only exist because you're solving somebody's problem. And having a pulse, having a, your fingers on the pulse because things evolve, and I like, I like this idea that companies have to do a couple of things to remain viable and relevant. One of them says that companies that wanted to be built to last, they have to have results that are, on average, sustainably superior to their peers. Just like a sports team, right? If you're a Manchester United, uh, is that uh, Manchester United, your team? In the UK? No, no, no. Liverpool, no. Manchester City. No. Which one is that? Arsenal. Okay, Arsenal, okay, Arsenal. So if Arsenal, if Arsenal is not delivering, you don't think it's a great team anymore, you want to replace the coach, the players, and all that. So first thing is results. The second thing is that you evolve as a company, the 80-20. So what's the 80 you need to keep because that's your DNA? What's the 20 that you need to evolve, new muscles you need to develop to remain relevant and in, in, in tune with your consumers? And the third one is I use some a company that the world would miss if you disappear. So what's your uh, contribution to the communities in which you operate so you're always being seen as part of the, the solution? So the three things are important. So having the pulse of what's happening in using technology, new ways of looking at existing issues 
and trying to deliver them in a more efficient way, in a, in a way that consumers think their issues are being tackled in a more effective way. That's why, that's why companies exist. So we feel that uh, you cannot lose that touch, otherwise you could, you could become irrelevant and out of touch. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of The New CCO, be sure to check out our latest episodes and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, leave us a rating and a review. We want to hear what you think so that we can keep making this podcast more interesting and valuable to you. To find out more about what's happening at PAGE, please visit us at page.org. Special thanks go to The Home Depot and to Rivet Smart Audio for making this season of The New CCO possible. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on The New CCO.